0: Today I'm talking to Steve Meyer, owner of Main Street Pedicabs, the maker of the Rickshaw Live Tricycle Chassis. Rickshaw Live is a pedal-powered live performance soundstage that specializes in launching close contact between music makers and a crowd, sometimes from a street, plaza, or sidewalk, or here from the Podmosphere, where we chat with the makers. Come join us as we roll with it. Well, hello, Steve Meyer of Main Street Pedicabs welcome to the rickshaw live podcast
1: thank you tim glad to be here
0: steve uh tell us about who and what the the main street pedicab operation is well main
1: street pedicabs um began with my involvement in urban planning and um uh you know like many uh Changes we see in our society. This this company started towards during a major economic disruption, which was the uh, savings and loan crisis in the nineteen eighties. And I had been doing um, a lot of economic planning work, but mostly developing the um, the suburban fringe areas, and it was dissatisfying work. And uh, once that was disrupted, I turned to an area that I really liked. And that was urban areas, the most dense cores of our cities and seeing how they were to be revitalized. And one of the issues was uh, the the mobility and the transportation in uh, downtown areas. And the simple thing was, is cars just basically took up too much space. They traveled too quickly along the streets. They meet it in an uninhabitable for pedestrians. So uh, some other planners and myself started a conference called the Pedestrian Conference. Um, But even at the Pedestrian Conference, where we were stressing walking, you needed mobility options. And um, we didn't really want to turn back to getting a car for the mobility impaired people within our conference who were going to have to go get to different venues for this conference that we were having in Boulder. So I borrowed a rickshaw and uh, a pedicab from somebody I knew in Aspen. And um, it really didn't get used much at the uh, conference, but the student that I hired to, um, to use it at the conference asked me if he could take it to downtown Denver and use it on a Friday night. And I thought, well, it's insured, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so he did, and when he came back, he was all excited because he made, you know, over $100 taking um, people from uh, this one particular bar back to a pedestrian area called the 16th Street Mall. And this bar was located four blocks off the mall through kind of a hostile warehouse district so the walking was not pleasant you couldn't walk up along all these loading docks and yet people don't like to walk in the street and so he did very well and this restaurant was uh, very popular because it was the only uh, brew pub in denver at the time nice and um so i went to the owner of the brew pub who was john hickenlooper and said hey would you sponsor this pedicab just just working downtown and he said okay wow and so right away i had a little of viable business with one pedicab i had a driver who wanted to rent it from me i had uh, the advertiser i didn't own it but i knew i could go to this guy and just buy it and, and start this out because i was just interested in like wow this is like a little viable seed that can be planted here in this uh developing area and just see what happens well
0: what year um, was that steve
1: that was 1990 and um so um and then this pedicab really wasn't that good and somebody told me uh what would be really cool would be a mountain bike pedicab well i knew that i had to re do this pedicab anyway and start making them. So, um, you know, at the time it was relatively easy. I went to the University of Colorado um, engineering department and said, Hey, do you want a class project for this mechanical engineering class? Beautiful. And uh, some of the students said, Sure, we'll work on that. And um, so we worked on it. Actually, it took a couple of semesters to get things down, and I worked on getting the welders, and the hardest part was getting the um, the fiberglass mold made oh, yeah. for the uh, carriage, and um, we made a pedicab, and wow. uh, at about the same time that the internet was taking off, so it, it quickly went viral, so to speak, uh, with pictures and things of what we were doing, and There were other cities with other pedicabs, but this one just really kind of took off. So I, I didn't invent the pedicab. I didn't, wasn't the first one to have one. It just was a confluence of different things that came together that made main street pedicabs what it
0: is. I remember that era and I remember seeing something and it probably, it must've been internet based about the pedicabs in Denver. And there's just something about that. I don't know if it's like the mystique of Denver for me, Uh, the mountains in the background, the Denver being a kind of a a new West or an old West uh, frontier, and then seeing people in the pedicabs and being on the streets. It was just very intriguing. I remember that.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It, it kind of took off and early on I got an award from the, from the Downtown Denver Partnership and at, this was at the same time the Coors Stadium was just built so that's another confluence factor. They just built a stadium that was not within walking distance of the 16th Street Mall. It wasn't within walking distance of any mass transportation and um, I always think that People think I must have conspired with RTD because they always built their uh, their stations just outside of walking distance of all these major uh, attractions.
0: Very nice. Well, you went on from that start to develop and build out a business that has put a lot of pedicabs on the street. How, how many pedicabs have you put out there?
1: You know, I'm not really sure, but I think it, I I think it's more than 4,000 and I I don't know if I've reached 5,000. I'd have to actually do some research. The, the office management part of my business is, is one that's lacking in terms of keeping track of all this stuff. I just started building them. I mean, we were just building them as fast as we could for really uh, 20 years.
0: Wow. It's incredible. I I in traveling before I before I got a pedicab, I noticed pedicabs from coast to coast when I traveled and I have to say the one name that be, in my mind became associated with the chassis was Main Street. And so it was it was no surprise. Actually the only surprise I had was actually discovering Main Street in Broomfield, Colorado. I figured they would be in some other place, in some Southern California place, or maybe manufacturing out of the country. And when I found you in Broomfield, I was shocked.
1: Yeah, I think people are. It's just a kind of nondescript little factory in Broomfield.
0: Well, tell tell me what you remember about our first discussion indoor meeting. Well, you reminded
1: me that the first discussion or meeting we had was actually when you were uh, uh, working up in Valentine, Nebraska. So do you want me to go that far back or do you want me to go to uh, the discussion we had on, on the Rickshaw live?
0: Well, that's interesting because uh, what I was what I had done, in moving back to Valentine, Nebraska, is my sisters and I started this bike shop. And we we estimated for some reason that every bike shop needed a pedicab. I don't know why exactly we thought that. I don't think we'd necessarily seen pedicabs in every bike shop we'd ever been in. But we just thought we needed one. And I couldn't really, um, I mean, we're starting a bike shop in Valentine, Nebraska, people. It's nine hundred people. The startup budget for that is pretty tight. So we weren't about to spend big on it. And I found this pedicab in the Washington post that was from India and was being sold by a German diplomat that had brought it back. And he sold it to me for $300. I moved it back to Valentine, Nebraska. We put it in the bike shop as a curiosity piece, had it in parades, that sort of thing. And, uh, we had it there, but it wasn't really what we wanted because we started to think we needed a mobile repair station. And we kind of had this idea that the pedicab could be the mobile repair shop for bikes and could follow people on bike rides like Century Rides. So then I started thinking about, well, maybe we can get a grant, which we did, to buy a nice, new, modern, multi-speed pedicab. And that caused me to recollect that it was in Denver, Colorado that I remembered seeing pedicabs on the street. Now, I don't know exactly how I got your number, but I remember calling you up and talking about these more modern multi-speed pedicabs that would be every bike shop operator's dream.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Well, that's how we first met.
0: And the funny thing is then when, uh, when the old rickshaw that I had had an accident... And the accident was my daughter and co-founder of the Rickshaw Live was, uh, at the end of a show in Fort Collins, was pedaling the old pedicab away from the curb with three musicians in it. Nothing spectacular at all happened. It was very low low speed, but one of the wheels folded. The, The spokes just folded. And we discovered then that this wonderful, authentic Indian rickshaw had no place to go for parts because they were all manufactured in uh, very, very low technology conditions where it came from and there was no way to replace the wheel or the axle. And so then I was like, well, I wonder if I could get an axle, I wonder if it would fit from a modern pedicab form, which caused me to call up Steve and ask about getting this axle. And that led to me driving down to Broomfield just from Fort Collins, Colorado and meeting you. And what was I, what was memorable as I remember we're walking from my car. We both pulled up about the same time. We're walking from our cars to the front door. We're chatting about maybe some history or something. I'm talking about Nebraska and you stopped yeah. And you looked at me and you said, have we talked before? And then I realized that, in fact, we had talked before and it was about that pedicab issue back in Nebraska. So that's right. how we met.
1: All right. Well, good. That's a good story.
0: Then we, you know, we wanted to, uh, we wanted to build, we got the, the old rickshaw fixed, of course, and back on the street but that form factor was pretty limiting Uh, we just had room for one musician sitting and one standing and i didn't have all of the the state-of-the-art audio engineering that i wanted on it and i wanted a drum kit i just needed more space i needed more technology and we're talking about i mean that that pedicab that we were using was a single speed It had no multiple speeds and it had a very primitive braking system. And so we we couldn't really do much more thanks uh, to its primitive design, even though we had a modern axle and now new wheels from Main Street on the back end. We really couldn't modify it much to make it more capable. So it was time to build a bigger platform, a bigger stage. And so that caused me to revisit you, Steve, and say, how big of a chassis can we get with uh, an estimation that if we could get a four by six foot stage, we might be able to satisfy my creative urge for making a big sound stage on a pedaled platform. Mm -hmm. So that's how we met. And you showed me the, the pickup. I think it's called the pickup chassis. Yeah, The pedal pickup, the pedal pickup. And uh, so that is what we put under The big rickshaw, which we call Rhoda, and uh, we built out a stage on top, added all of the the hardware and the electronics and generator to support a completely free-roaming, live-performance, amplified, 18-channel mixed soundstage. And away we went. And we have had some incredible fun with that thing. Thank you. Thank you for such a great chassis welcome well tell me about what this crazy year of 2020 has been like in the world of pedicab construction and the pedicab business
1: well it's been very disruptive i mean for the first time in my country's history uh, c- company's history um you know i'm down to where i was like in 1992 with um uh, very few employees. Um, what it's done is caused all the people who, who were depending on pedicabs in urban areas. I mean, just in Denver alone, there were over 200 pedicabs that served people that came downtown for uh, the nightlife, for going to restaurants, going to bars, going to concerts. Uh, there were conventions. There were sporting events. All of those were impacted by the shutdowns and um, and COVID. I mean, not having uh, attendees, people going to football games and and baseball games is huge in terms of not drawing the people uh, downtown. I mean, we, um, you know, the pedicabs did well because people can't park within walking distance of where they want to go. Uh, the, you know, the trains would be full of people and let them off at these stops. But those, a lot of people, if you bring grandpa, if you bring kids, sometimes they don't want to walk the remaining four or five blocks to the event. So the pedicabs were always busy, um, in downtown Denver. And then, so now that's not a viable business. And so all these people started selling their pedicabs because, you know, whereas some businesses would get a PPP loan or something. I mean, every McDonald's around the country got a PPP loan probably. And the government was paying their employees. That didn't happen for a pedicab driver. They're too small to show up um, and get any kind of help. Yeah, the, um, Each pedicab is an independent business. It's the smallest of small business. It's a one uh, owner of a pedicab, or even if they're leasing the pedicabs, they are their own business. And so they don't show up in these programs. And the only way for them to put food on the table is to sell their pedicab. Mm -hmm. And then pedicabs all came on the markets. Nobody was buying. Nobody even buys tires anymore. Well, and that's another thing that the whole supply chain was disrupted because whereas the pedicab business, uh, those guys couldn't be out on the road uh, taking passengers, uh, the bicycle industry actually really took off because everybody was buying bicycles and tires. And so a lot of the supply chain was disrupted too for actually what we needed in terms of parts to supply the pedicaps so it was very disruptive to say the least but you know there's a silver lining uh in every situation um like I said my company really came about because of the disruption of a economic uh downturn uh this too is um making me recognize, making you recognize that there's other opportunities for this. So a lot of attention has been turned to the streets. Yes. As to what we do for uh, keeping businesses alive, keeping the restaurants alive. In the town I live in, they shut down the street, Main Street, and um, put tables out there. And it created a new kind of life and um, vitality in the town. And I actually hope this is one of the aspects that carries on from this disruption is us recognizing the streets as really social places. Yes. We it's a common space in all cities. It's a common area. And yet for most people, they think of a street as a dangerous place because there's these big things running down it at, you know, uh, fast um, that if they hit you, they'll kill you. You know, all the cars in the streets have made the streets um, basically a single purpose thing. And actually, when I started the company, I named it Main Street Pedicabs because we were born out of a financial crisis. And Main Street is really the opposite of Wall Street. Wall Street in economic terms is the financialization of everything we do. But Main Street is where it's happened. It's where it's born. It's a really rich little social ecosystem. And I love Main Street. I love the whole concept of what it can be of being a rich ecosystem, not just a place for cars to go back and forth or park
0: i agree with you I i think it's you know it's part of my vision that preceded um you know what happened with covid of course to bring the performances out into the street in some way and you know i mean there are fixed venues outside for that plazas and parks and things. But we always kind of like just wondered if you could mobilize a live performance street side um, right. or, uh, you know, we really stayed off sidewalks, but street side to really play to the sidewalk crowd. And then you can pedal through those plazas and parks and, um, you know, bring the performers really to the audience in a, in an uncovered outdoor no cover venue and i i think and i and i think you probably agree with me that when we come out of this pandemic we're going to have a lot of people really eager to get outside and and we can be out there in that new community or renewed community with these live performers mobilized to provide some additional ecosystem enhancement
1: i agree i i think it's um if we miss this opportunity it'll really be uh unfortunate
0: well we you have the, i mean the thing we have is we have two pent-up quantities actually we have we have people that need music they they need live music really i mean that's that's the unique thing about us humans, we seem to need to interact with people making music. And we, of course, because of something deep inside, we can't stop our lips from moving and our vocal cords from rattling along too, whether we're skilled or not, but we're, we're just like intrinsically melodious, I guess. And so we have all these people that need that. And on the other side, we have all of these performers that have been knocked out by their venues being offline. And, Right. Oh my goodness. I mean, I can't even imagine how these musicians and other kinds of performers have survived during this, what is going to be a year before it's all said and done. I mean, hopefully less and hopefully not more. But putting those two demands and supplies together in this outdoor eco space would be very exciting.
1: It, it, I, I totally agree with you. And, um, you know, uh, people are talking about how how Zoom, you know, you and I are speaking over Zoom now. I mean, how it's revolutionized things and, uh, you know, because of this pandemic. But just from the fact that we can talk about Zoom, one entity and know what we're talking about, shows how concentrating this technology is. But people want to be decentralized. They want to be unconcentrated. I mean being in the streets and interacting with the musician, yeah, we can't put one name to that because it's thousands of names. Yes. That's what I really love about this is it's very decentralizing. It's connecting with people person to person. Um, I think that it's going to be beautiful to get these things out there interacting with people. I can just see the kids standing along the side of the street as this goes by, clapping and interacting.
0: You know, one thing you said to me early on, Steve, uh, probably right around the time we took delivery on the chassis, I remember we were just talking about what Ricky, the small rickshaw, had been able to accomplish in terms of you know, really spreading joy and making smiles uh, just break out spontaneously as she rolls down the street with live performers. And you turned to me in your shop and you said, oh, I get it. This is your strategy for urban healing. And, um, you know, I hadn't really thought about it and I can't really take credit for that being in the top four objectives of of what I was doing in terms of healing people. But the more I thought about it, what is happening when people are walking down that sidewalk, carrying whatever burden they're carrying. And that sound of a live performer is first of all, kind of far away and then it gets louder and then it's coming louder. And soon it's alongside them and they turn and they look at it and they see people making music live that they can hear and I don't care, I've watched this, I don't care who they are or what they were doing, but the smile breaks out, and they look at the friend they were walking with, with this amazing shock and awe kind of look. And then they look back, and then of course they reach for their phone, because they want to get a picture, and then the performance is on down the street. So it has a, I've seen it, it has a, a way of liberating people, at least temporarily, temporarily from whatever burdens they're carrying. And hey, you know, that's healing. And so I, I aspire to turn this medicine loose on a population of people that has been dealing with some sickness. And I think we can make them better. Tim,
1: that really resonates with me. And um, I, I say this really uh, hardly ever. Um, because it's a little bit out there, but sometimes I've called myself a pharmaceutical company because I'm making this little remedy that gets applied to this urban organism. You know, an urban area is an organism. It's an organization. It's organic, and it needs medicines too. And this just kind of thrown in the streets, it'll turn heads, it'll create smiles, uh, people will be laughing and uh, animated. It adds animation to the streets. You know, people keep on talking about, oh, look at what these car, these big car companies are doing. They're making, they're putting electric motors in cars. You know what? It's still a car. It's still going to take up all this space. It's going to encapsulate the passengers in these steel uh, cages and separate them and threaten the passengers with this mid, big moving thing. Um, you know, and I have no problem with cars. I mean, they're great for going down the highway. I love them. You know, I have one. I'm not complaining. I'm just saying I want urban space to be free from them. Yes. You know, and when I was working in urban planning, I said, you know, I would talked to public officials who would say, you can't close down the streets, you know. Blah, 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 blah. I go, why not? I go, every developer who develops a shopping mall has enough common sense not to let cars drive through the shopping mall. Yes. They create the pedestrian space. They know it's threatening. They don't incorporate it. And these uh, cities are trying to think how to revitalize the street with shopping and, and things like that well, one thing you have to do is calm the traffic. Otherwise it's too threatening.
0: Absolutely. And,
1: um, you know, I think that the pedicabs allow that, uh, you know, they're, they're very non-threatening to the uh, pedestrian population on the street and um, they uh, really interact well.
0: They do. So they seem the so goal. natural. I asked you, Steve, what you would like to talk about in terms of music and you gave me a selection that um, you thought might be apropos for what we've been talking about in terms of mobilizing live performers and right. uh, you know, spreading a little of that remedy out there. And so uh, I just wanted to throw this out there. It was your, your pick, your choice, and talk to us about it and tell us uh, what it means.
1: Okay, well, this is uh, put out by a group called Playing for Change. And I would encourage all the listeners to go there. Playing for Change. And they make these montages of musicians. Um, So this isn't one band, one performer singing this. These are people from all over the world who are coming in and they're... uh, little bits and pieces of, of what they're playing have been brought into this song and so it's a really a visual thing too and unfortunately uh, your listeners can't see it but they can go and uh, see it at Playing for Change. This one's called Ripple. Another one I really love, like is The Weight and they bring musicians in uh, on these videos from everywhere and it remi- they're all street musicians you know this isn't None of these musicians are set up in a big concert venue. They're all just sitting in a park. They're sitting by the water. They're sitting uh, with their guitar cases open and playing. And then uh, this music is melded into these uh, this uh, uh, creation here.
0: It's wonderful. You know, it, one thing that uh, I want to... To work on technically as we kind of move into the future of moving music with the pedicab is, I definitely see that we'll be able to stream live from the moving pedicab. That's technically well within reach. But one thing that would be really fun to perfect would be to achieve what they've done on this video, which is several performers playing with each other, uh, in synchrony, so no audio latency issues to get in the way of perfect uh, perfect playing together. Um, and so that's one thing I would love to see happen. I always thought it'd be really fun to, uh, you know, have some people on a rickshaw being accompanied by somebody, oh, let's say in LA and somebody else in New York and everybody on the screen as well as on the stage being displayed to the crowd that is on this on the sidewalk watching and listening. I think it's within our reach.
1: I think it is too. I mean, I think that um we can really uh the venue can be the streets and um the performers come there. There's you know, I know that there's um I have this whole mentality that that uh, separates ideas into either centralizing or decentralizing forces in our society. And I think so much of what technology does is is centralize control and centralize things. Whereas I want to have technologies that really decentralize people, decentralize control, um, have... uh, um, a lot of people input you know it's an interaction when the rickshaw goes down the streets it's interacting with the people it's it's both ways really and um and spreading it around and i think that the streets they're common space it's commonly owned by everybody and to um, bring it to the streets is really cool um for a while uh earlier in my life i worked in mexico and and I, I worked in this town called Guanajuato, and it was beautiful. And they um, have little narrow streets, but they had this festival called the Cervantes Festival, and they would play the Cervantes plays in the streets, and people ran along. You know, along, you know, Sancho Panza was you know, and Don Quixote were walking through the streets, and people just saw them in this this context of being in the streets, walking by people's houses, people were leaning out the windows. It was beautiful to have the whole city streetscape as the stage. It
0: is wonderful. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. That's what we're going to do more of. And it's going to be an exciting and joyful time ahead. I'm so thrilled. Yeah. Steve, I am uh, going to post a link on Uh, the footer of this podcast and we'll recycle it as a YouTube video. So there'll be a a link in the footer on there as well of the playing for change video that um, you wanted to share with people listening. And so they can actually see the players making the music because uh, there's, there's music makers to be seen there live. So we want to show them that I will put that link together. And then you and I will continue to imagine a a new way of helping people find a remedy for whatever they're bringing along and whatever they have ahead so they can, uh, be more joyful and more fulfilled and we can do it by just moving the music.
1: Thank you, Tim. Thank you, Dr. Tim. You, you add the credibility now that we're a pharmaceutical remedy for cities.
0: I, I think, uh, this is better than pharmacy, better than Western medicine. It's going to be amazing.
1: Yeah, it St- will be.
0: Steve, yeah, thanks for okay. visiting and have a great day. And we will talk more in the future.
1: Okie doke. Great. We'll see ya. Bye.
0: Thank you.